Thank you, Joel. For our scripture in this morning, let's uh, go to 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 6. If you know the page number, call it out if you don't have your Bible with you. want to notice here true witnessing true witnessing what is witnessing it's certainly bathing the whole work of witnessing in prayer and then having a revelation as we know that revelation is very important that we know God's will and God's way and that's what we see here in this portion of scripture this morning in 1st Timothy 2 1 to 6 Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. May the Lord add his blessing to this portion of Scripture for our hearts this morning, that we may understand it in every way that the Lord might bless us even today and on into this new year. Let's bow our heads and hearts for prayer. Father, we come before you once again this morning to praise your name. As we often say, Lord, we want to lift your name on high because it is a name that someday every knee will bow before and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. So bless us, Father, this morning. And bless us really as we are gathered here this morning, that we might know that your name is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. And so we come before you to praise your name in this way, and to lift it on high in our own hearts, and to know that Jesus is the name that is wonderful, and that Jesus is the name whereby we can be saved. And so we come before you this morning, Father, praising you that Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save every lost person and to bring each one of us into your presence and to the knowledge of God that is so important for us as we live in a world that is slowly growing darker and darker. So bless us this morning, Father. We pray for our church family in every way. Also, Lord, we bring it before you, Father, in such a way that every need can be met, every heart can be blessed. Every home can be cherished. We pray, Father, for your watch care over our hearts that we're gathered here as a church family today. We pray for those who cannot be here this morning. We pray for some who are traveling. We pray for others who are away from us. We pray for our pastor, Father, right now, who isn't too well. And we just pray that your healing touch would be his portion, even as we think of those who are unwell at this time. And so we pray for our pastor, especially today. We pray for those who are shut-ins today and cannot come out, Lord. We would pray for them also and pray, Father, that your blessed presence would be with them in such a way that they will know that you are with them to do them good. So bless those who cannot be here this morning and bless our hearts as we are gathered here this morning. Use us for your glory in this place that we might know what it is to sit in the presence of the Lord. And so as we look to you, Father, we would pray for a great blessing upon your own word that you might bless it to our hearts and use it for your glory in coming days, even as we continue in praying for uh, the ministry of the saints here in this place and also through our missionaries to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we pray for missions today. We bring our missionaries before you, Father, many of them on the foreign field, some on the home front. We just pray for each one 
that your Holy Spirit will be a blessing to them in this new year, that they might see great progress in their work, that many are being saved, churches are being built, churches are being established. We know how important that is, Lord, and so we pray for churches that are established to preach the mighty gospel that Jesus Christ saves. And so we pray for our missionaries in every way. We pray for our camps also, Lord. We think of Sunny Bray and Maple Springs. We praise you for them. And we pray for them, Father, that the blessing of the Lord be their portion, even as they plan for the new year. We just pray, Father, for our camps, that many younger ones might find Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. And so we pray for them. We pray for our camps in every way. Bless our camps even now, Lord, and bless them in every way. Bless our country, Lord. Bless those who have the rule over us, Father. We pray for them. We pray for them, Father, whether federal, municipal, or provincial, that the Spirit of our living God might touch our leaders in such a way that they are worthy of our prayers. And we pray for those who aren't worthy, that they might change their mind and come and see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so we pray for the well-being of our country today. We pray these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. And that last verse of that hymn, I think, is quite good. Verse 4, would you do service for Jesus your king? That's quite a thought, isn't it? What kind of service can we do? Would you do service for Jesus your king? Well, if you're going to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to have the power. Notice that there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? That's a good hymn for us today. As we enter a new year, this is our second Sunday in our new year, so... That's good for us to remember that God's called us to service. You know, one fellow said that if he's pumping a gas at a gas station, the only job he's got is pumping gas at a gas station. He's still living for Jesus Christ. He's a missionary at that gas station. Not by buttonholing people and saying, are you saved or something like that. Just by the way he lives, by the way he talks, by the way he walks with the people he works with there in that gas station. So it's quite a thought. We are all in the service of the king. And we need to know that even in a church, you know, King David said he'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of sin. There's a choice we make, isn't it? We were speaking a bit about that last week. We, are we following the world's ways or are we following God's ways? And that's what we, see, we saw last week, and we want to look a little bit at that this week. And we're talking a little bit about true witnessing. True witnessing. What is witnessing? It's simply living out the life, letting Christ live out his life through you in that place where he has put you, which doesn't matter with a school, a job, wherever you are, in a home, wherever you are, that you might glorify the Lord where you are. That is witnessing. <coughs> there are different ways of witnessing, as we know. By word, by deed, by good deeds, helping another. Give me a cold glass of water to someone who needs a drink. Quite a thought. <clears throat> we need to see that in our scriptures even today, that there's such a thing as true witnessing. We see in verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, we read, Jesus gave himself a ransom for all men. Notice that. Ransom for all men. That's quite a teaching in the scripture, as you know, that we can come along and then say, well, then whosoever will can be saved. Whosoever will can be saved. Why? Because Christ took on the sins of the whole world at the cross for everyone. So whosoever will can be saved. It's a testimony. Now notice that. 
It's the testimony to be given in due time, in its proper time. The time and place to preach Jesus by how you live, how you walk, that's witnessing. That's witnessing. And what are you going to witness about? Well, that Jesus gave himself. Gave himself a ransom for all men and women and boys and girls. That's quite a teaching. That's what we're witnessing about. <coughs> Here's Paul the Apostle writing to his spiritual son Timothy, commanding him to wage a good warfare. Well, if you ever go out and try witnessing, you'll, you'll know it's warfare. You know it's warfare. It's Timothy, I command you, I urge you to wage a good warfare. Verse 18 of chapter 1, that means a good testimony of true witnessing, which was due in Timothy's time. Every generation has a time to witness. Every generation, every person has a time to say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And we need to know that. It's due time for you, Timothy, to get out there and have good warfare. Preach the gospel. Teach others. Work for their good souls that they might be saved. And that's a teaching that we have today. It's a true witness for each one of us because now it's our due time. It was a generation's due time in 1000 A.D. It was a generation's due time, 1500 A.D. Luther had a due time to bring in the Protestant Reformation. And now today, it's our due time, our proper time to be witnessing for Jesus Christ, whom to know is life eternal. And the world hates that kind of witnessing. <coughs> to be true witnesses of what, we could say? Of what? Timothy could say that. Well, Paul, the apostle, oh, now what do you want me to witness about? What do you want me to preach about? What do you want me to talk about? Well, 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 tells us very clearly, there is one God, he's the creator of all things, he created the heavens and the earth and all that are therein. There is one God, he's saying very clearly, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all men or all mankind to be testified in its proper or due time. Today is your day. 2012 is your day. It's my generation, the older one. It's your generation, the younger one. The middle-aged ones. It's your generation. What are you going to testify about? You're going to testify that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who gave himself a ransom for all men. And therefore, we can preach to any person and say, whosoever will accepts him can be saved. And so we can ask that question, are you saved this morning? It's a good question. Are you saved this morning? That's a great question, actually, because judgment is coming. The world isn't getting any better. I remember back in, I wasn't there, but in the 1890s, some people might think of us there, but in the 1890s, they were saying that the whole world is going to be Christianized, and of course, then Christ comes back to a wonderful world, all Christianized. We did it. Well, when the First World War came, they lost so many men and so much money and so much corruption and so much troubles that they started saying, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Then a Great Depression hit. Then a Second World War hit. Maybe the world's not getting so much better. Maybe it's not quite so good as we thought it might be. So what are we going to do about it? 
we're going to see the world gets darker and darker, and we're not here to save the world. We're here to save people out of the world. Out of the world. When the Titanic was going down in 1912, you know, that's quite a shock to the world that time because they hadn't experienced a war yet. It was a wonderful world. They couldn't believe it. Did they try to save the ship? No, they tried to save people out of the ship. That's what we're doing. We're trying to save people out of a dark and dying world. That's what the whole Christian life is all about. We are saved. We got in the lifeboat. What are you going to do about the other people still on the ship that's sinking? Quite a thought. Do we care? Who cares? We care. And that's what this portion of Scripture is all about. Timothy, you're to wage a good warfare because you care. You care. It's time for witnessing. It's due for us today. Timothy had his day. Now it's our day. 2012 is our day. Some people say uh, that's, uh, that the past, that's the pastor's job. That's the missionary's job. And a lot of people think that way, you know. It's the pastor's job. We just sit back and take it all in. We have to be careful of that, don't we? We have a job, too. That's the pastor's job, missionary job. No, their job is to establish churches and to feed the flock of God so that God's people can go everywhere proclaiming the one and only God has a mediator between man and himself, and that is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that mediator is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Mary. It's not Mary Baker Eddy. It's not Ellen White. Not some pope or potentate. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning. True witnessing comes from a well-fed congregation. Now think of that. We're in a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I want to say that some churches are getting pretty shaky in that. They'd prefer to have a psychological reason how you should get along with your boss or how you should get along in your marriage or how you should raise your children. But we're going to say that's correct if you first of all get people saved so they can understand how to get along with their wife, how to get along with the boss, how to get along with their children. That's the teaching of the Bible. We can't psychologically help people until they're spiritually saved or spiritually helped. And that's what we see in this portion of Scripture. True witnessing comes from a well-fed congregation. And that congregation understands the dark and dying world needs a great truth that only Jesus alone saves. There's a great truth. <clears throat> I remember once we were in Victoria and uh, down the street there was this church and it had a big red sign. It just had on it, Jesus saves. And I thought, that's right. That's right. Jesus saves. That's a great truth that we need today. Jesus alone saves. Nothing else. Nobody else. Now, that's a hard and awesome task to say that to people around us today, as you know. It's not a popular message. And you're not a popular person if you're going to preach to Jesus. But aren't you glad we have a good Bible-teaching church behind us? What else do we need for planting the seeds of God's Word that God the Holy Spirit can bring to a new life? We plant the seed, He brings the new life to a person so they can be saved. Uh, we want to note that. There are two or three little things we should know. Let's notice them. What, can, what do we really need to help 
in our witnessing. And the first thing we need, we need the work of prayer. I notice that in that portion of Scripture. What's it saying there? First Peter 2, 1 to 3 tells us, Pray for all men. There's a message. What's it say there? Pray for all men. Someone once said, the Bible never tells us to pray for the unsaved. Are you sure? Because that verse of Scripture says, says pray for all men. So that thinking is not true. You're to pray for all men. These verses tell us how to pray. And it's for all men and women, boys and girls. Pray. Now, prayer is a hard work. The minute you try to pray, there's going to be an interruption. The phone rings. Somebody wants something. Something else comes up. You try and pray. You know, one of the hymns says, pray for an hour. You know, try and pray for an hour if you can. We need to notice that very carefully, that prayer is a very hard work. But the Bible says, pray for all men, women, boys, and girls, and those in authority over us in our country, in our church, and in our homes, and in other places too, like the boss or a policeman on the street. They have authority. And we're to pray for those who have authority over us. <clears throat> Believe it. God is not willing that any should perish. Verse 4 here says he wants all people to be saved. And verse 6 says, and Jesus gave himself a ransom for all men. There it is again. So whosoever will can be saved. I know there's an elect, of course. But you know you've got to start, first of all, with a whosoever. And if they get saved, they're in the elect. What a wonderful calling we have. Witnessing for men and women, boys and girls, that they might have a chance to be saved. That's the whole teaching of Scripture. That's the whole teaching of Jesus. That's why he came into the world, to seek and to save those that were lost. He wants all people to be saved. That's God's desire. He's not willing that any should perish, the Scripture says. That means he gave everyone an opportunity because Christ died and took the sins of all men and women so that they can if God allows it, to be saved. And Jesus gave himself ransom for all men. We're to believe that. We're to believe it. You know, there's no sense of going out witnessing. We think, well, maybe that person could never be saved. We've got to go out into the world and say, yes, that person could be saved if they accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We live, move, and have our being where God has placed us. In that home, in that school, office, or workshop, wherever God has placed us, we are witnesses there by word and by deed. We are the only epistles someone will ever read, as Paul the Apostle writes. We are the only epistle. We're the only Bible people some people ever read. Some people have never ever seen a Bible. Some people have never touched a Bible. And we're the only Bible some people will ever read. What do they read in your life? What do they read in my life? We'd have to be careful. We need a work of prayer. A strong work of prayer. James 5, 70, 18 says. Uh, Elijah was a man with the same fleshly passions we have, and he prayed. How did he pray? He prayed earnestly, and the rain stopped for three and a half years, and then he prayed again and began to rain. James uh, 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer availeth a lot more than we have ever dreamt or thought. And so pray. Pray about how you live. Pray about how you walk in this world. Pray how you talk in this world. Pray, because people are watching you. 
And do they see the life of Jesus in you? That's a high and holy calling. We have to remember that. Let's learn. Earnest prayer is effective prayer. Before we can witness to anybody, we must be a people who have earnest prayers. And knowing they are effective. We have earnest prayers and we know they are effective. They will touch a heart. They will touch a soul. Oh, we don't know which one. We had one church where we had a group of ladies who went door to door. They were experienced ladies, called Faith Mission. And they went door to door for a week, three ladies. And their job was to cover as many houses as they could. They came back and said they covered a thousand houses. Not one response. But who's to say, after they plant the seed, what the Holy Spirit will do in those houses? No one knows. But God is working. And we see true prayer is hard work, but if we believe in the power of prayer, we'll work at our praying because there's a time to pray for all mankind. And there's a time to pray for yourself. Pray that the Lord bless you and yourself. We need to do that. There is a time to pray for self, of course. But here we're told to pray for others. We're talking about praying for others today. In this portion of Scripture, there's a reason why our witnessing about Christ is important. We're told to be earnestly, be a people earnestly praying. Earnestly praying. Notice that. That's hard work. Earnestly pray for all men, Christians in their needs, the unsaved in their need of salvation, and for those who rule over us. And then, here's the reason, there's a soothing effect in our society where we are. Now, some people don't believe that. But I've been in the working force also. I've been in the working world. And I know other Christians in the working world. And we say the same thing. We get into a certain place where God has put us, and we pray for that place before we try witnessing. <coughs> and it's interesting. There's some soothing effect in that area. And you know, if enough people were praying, who's to say there wouldn't be a soothing effect in all of our society? Where it's much easier to have an effective witness to the society in which we live. Now you think on that. Where you work, play, move, have your being, pray about it. And it seems to make a soothing effect in that particular place whereby then you can live, talk, walk for God in their presence and people can be saved. Pray for every facet of life, but pray especially for the power to witness, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and our Savior, as verse 3 says. So we are to see that true witnessing needs a great work of prayer. How are you doing? How are you doing in your prayer life? Hard work, isn't it? Because of so many interruptions. Life has a lot of interruptions. And notice, secondly, true witnessing needs to know the will of God. If we're going to witness, we need a good prayer life. Then we need a couple of other things. We need to know the will of God. And we need to know the way of God. We'll touch on that later. What is God's will in our witnessing? Verse 4 says, God our Savior, who wants or desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is God's will there? That mankind, men, women, boys, girls, will come to a knowledge of what? Of the truth that's in Christ Jesus. You and I must realize the basic truth of our witness is seen in John 5, 24. A great verse of scripture. John 5, 24, where Jesus himself is clearly saying, he says, truly, truly I say unto you, he who heareth my word, notice that, he who heareth my word 
and believes on him who sent me, or believes God who sent Jesus to be the Savior. You see, a lot of people say, well, I believe in God. I'm not too bad. I'll go to heaven. I haven't murdered anybody. After all, I, I'm, not, I'm not, not too bad a person. But what's it say there? It doesn't believe God. It's to believe God who sent Jesus to be the one and only Savior. And that person who believes that has everlasting life and shall never come into condemnation for sin, but has passed from death unto life. That's a great verse of Scripture. Wonderful verse of Scripture, as we see there. <coughs> That's the truth of God. We are to witness to the truth that sets men and women, boys and girls, free from the judgment to come, because judgment is coming. You know it. You know it. Europe's in trouble. They're going to cause trouble for us. Economically, there's problems all over. We know what they need in Europe. They even said, we need a strong man to come and practically take over. That's what we need, said Europe. They said it a while back. It was Spock who said that from Belgium many years ago. He said, we need a strong leader. Whether he's a god or the devil, we'll follow him. That's quite a thought. That's what they said. We need to be witnesses to the truth that sets men free from the judgment to come, because that will cause judgment. And we need to understand that. That's God's will. Whosoever believes God, didn't you notice there? I didn't say who believes in God. Believes God. God's word will be saved. God's will is that all men should come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth that is in Christ Jesus. Today we hear so much from man's view of God. I get tired of hearing it, don't you? They say, well, if God's a God of love, uh, why does he allow the suffering? Why are children starving? If he loves them, why don't he do something about it? A tidal wave into China wipes out 50,000. God should have done something. God is love. Drug-addicted babies, wars, lawlessness, disease like AIDS. Why can't God do this? Why can't God do that? What's wrong with God? Of course, they say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God anyway. But then they're the first one to say, well, why does God do this? God is a God of love. Why can't he do that? And so we see that's man's opinion. What's your opinion? Have you gained a knowledge of the truth that's in Christ Jesus through the word of God? In our witness, we work the work of prayer, and then we teach the will of God. Verse 4, which is that all men should come to the knowledge of the truth of God, as verse 5 and 6 is saying, the truth that God wants us to live by and teach is the cure for the problems that the world is complaining about. The great cause for man's corruption in this world today is man. You stop to think about it. The stars in space are all going according to the will of God. In science, it's called the natural laws. We call it a moral law in the universe. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Stars don't bump into each other. Stars don't make mistakes. The animals are normal. Planting in the seasons are normal. Everything comes normal. Except man. One person said, man is the only disaster in all our universe. That's true. Man is the cause of his own problems. We need to be careful of that. That's why we need the knowledge of the truth that sets us free from the thinking of this world to the thinking of God. If men would live by God's truth in Jesus Christ, then the evil rebellion against God would cease. We need to note that. 
When we preach Jesus in certain areas, as I said before, there's a soothing effect where people have a chance to be saved. And it wouldn't be lawlessness, disease, corruption, faith, abominations, wars and disasters and so on, if people believed that Christ died for them. That's a great teaching. No, it's not God who brings in worlds at war. God is the cure, not the cause of the worldwide problems. When we witness, make sure we work the works of prayer and proclaim the will of God. Our message is that God is not responsible for the sin and bad actions and attitude of mankind. He's the cure for them. But you have to accept him. You have to accept him. God is the cure for all things that hurt and destroy people. Our witness is not to save the world, but by God's Spirit to save people from out of the world to the ways of God. That's what we see here thirdly. Notice thirdly. True witness means we understand the way of God. Why? Because we understand his will. Why? Because we're praying for it. That's what we pray for. The way of God is important for everyone. We need to know that if we're going to witness to other people. Here we learn that true witnessing of Jesus Christ not only needs a joyful work of prayer, as we've said, and a great understanding that God's will is for men and women, boys and girls, should be saved, but also we need a clear witness that God's way is through his Son. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the only mediator between God and man. That's what it says in that portion of Scripture. Verse 5. Our Lord Jesus himself said it clearly. Using the eternal name of God, he said, John 14, 6, I am the way. Now, he could have said, I am is the way, because he's God. And the eternal name of God is I am, as you all know. That's what Moses learned, he found out. Who will I say sent me, said Moses. And God said, tell them I am has sent you. And later Jesus said, I am. And we see that in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. Notice that in John 14, 6. Very important verse of scripture. He could have said, I am is the way, is the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me, John 14, 6. Men and women think up many ways of how they're going to come to God and how they're going to explain to God, I've lived a good life, I've done my best, I've done this, I've done that. But the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right unto men, but the end thereof is the way of death. Death. Man thinks of all these ways of doing right. But if they're not in harmony with God's ways, the end thereof is the ways of death. And that's quite a teaching. As long as mankind has breath, he's under God's grace. That's good news. As long as you're breathing, as long as you're breathing, you're under grace. God's grace, which is spelt God's riches at Christ's expense. That's how you spell grace. Whosoever will can come. Have you come? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? What kind of witness do you have in that community in which you live? A home? A job? A school? Wherever you are? In our witnessing, we are calling on all men to come God's way. That's the key. We're not calling on people to go the world's way. We're calling on people to come God's way. We need to be careful of that. We need to say God's way is through his son, not through some other religion or some this or some of that. What is God's way? Well, he sent his son into the world to die on a cross for you and me. That's our message. And how people hate it. People think, 
oh, well, they'll love Christians. I remember one story about a young lady, saw all these pictures of little children in Africa. They're so sad, and she, just, she went all of her way to help them. Went to Bible school, joined the missionary committee that she wanted to join. Finally ended up in Africa where these little children were, or other little children. And she ended up having, they were throwing sticks and stones at her and calling her all kinds of names. She was so disappointed she quit. She left. People hate the idea of people preaching Jesus to them. And yet that's the only answer to the problems of life. The word of God, which declares Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But our Bible-believing church, of course, is behind our pastor and missionaries. And as they feed us, as we said in the beginning, as they feed us the word of God, giving us the knowledge of the word of God, then we can go in his power, Christ's power, for true witnessing. Earnest in the work of prayer. Energetic. I like that word. I think I'll use it. Energetic in revealing the will of God in Christ. And eagerly, there you are, I like that word too, eagerly showing men and women God's ways are not men's ways. Whose ways do you follow today? That's a thought. For God himself said in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, uh, let the wicked forsake their way. Well, that's hard to do once you get addicted to something. It's not easy, but that's what God tells us. Let the wicked forsake his way, for your ways are not my ways, says God. For as heaven is higher than all the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. Troubles and trials will come in life, even to Christians. We're not going to float to heaven on a bed of roses because there are a lot of thorns in them. Remember that. Troubles and trials will come in life, but God is not the cause of them. There it is. He's the only cure the world has. Let the world uh, know that. Let it have that knowledge of the Word of God. Do We need that knowledge that God has for us. We need knowledge that brings the kind of wisdom that we say there is a God, and he cares for us in a wonderful way. We need to see that. Let's have a true witness to the saving and keeping power of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And God will bless our living and loving ministry where God has placed us. It's your ministry where you are in that school, that workshop, that home, wherever you are, wherever God's placed you. Have you a loving living ministry in front of those people that you're dealing with where God has placed you. Let's go out into this new year. It's only the second Sunday, so let's go out into this new year and have a true witness to those around us. And God will bless us and bless our church and bless you and bless your home as you do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you once again, praising your name. We thank you for the knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to seek and to save each one of us. And we thank you, Father, that you have brought us to you. Our choices were invigorated by your spirit to come and accept Jesus Christ, our personal Savior. Father, we know we can do nothing without you. So bless us, Father, this morning, and bless us as we go into this new year. Use us for your glory wherever you have placed us, and let us be true witnesses to the wonderful knowledge and truth that God has for us in Jesus Christ. And bless us in that witnessing.
whereby others can find Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man will ever come to God except through him. Touch hearts even this morning, here and everywhere, as your word goes out across the world today, that many might know Jesus is the way. Bless us now, Father. Use it for your glory and our fellowship, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.